Nigeria, praise the Lord.
invite you into our midst. We say you are welcome, you are welcome, you are welcome. Come do that which you alone can do here today. That which eye has not seen, that which ear has not heard, that which has not yet entered into the heart of man. Come and do for each and every one of us. Come and do through us today. So it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we gave an example of Jesus going about doing good in the story of Jesus and the leper. And today we will conclude the series on Jesus and the leper. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through to 4. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper that worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And we explained that when Jesus touched the leper, that he was fulfilling all that the Old Testament in Leviticus 14, verse 1 through to 8, prescribed should be done when a leper is to be cleansed. And everything we have in Leviticus 14 speaks of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And we went on to explain that when Jesus went to the cross, that there were nine different exchanges that took place at the cross. Exchange number one was that Jesus was punished so that you and I might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded so that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness, that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Exchange number four, Jesus died my death so that I might share in his life. Jesus was made a curse so that you and I might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share in his abundance. Jesus bore our shame that we might share in his glory. Jesus endured our rejection so that we might have his acceptance. And the final exchange is that our old man was crucified in him so that the new man might come to life in each one of us. Now, these nine exchanges we must all never forget. Keep them at the back of your mind because they form the basis of our inheritance in Christ. We also explained that there were five different deliverances that took place. Deliverance number one is deliverance from this present evil age. Deliverance number two is deliverance from the law. Deliverance number three is deliverance from self. Deliverance number four is deliverance from the flesh. Deliverance number five is deliverance from the world. Now, if all of these things have been provided, and I want us to please pay some attention today, how come we don't really see them in our lives? Because if Jesus has paid the full price for poverty, why are we still believing God for finances? The truth is, there is a way to appropriate what God has done for us. God has provided for us. 
but generally in Christendom, people just don't seem to know how to take hold or lay hold of that which God has provided. Let us look at the pattern of Joshua. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, let's, I'll read verses 2 and 3. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So we find in these two verses of scripture, God says in one breath, I have given this land, I'm giving this land, I do give, I'm giving this land to the children of Israel, in verse 2. In verse 3, he says, I have given the land to the children of Israel. I'm giving and I have given, and not the same. So in one breath, he's telling Joshua, I'm going to give you this land. In the next breath, he's saying, I have given you the land. Now we all know that the Bible says in Psalm 24 verse 1 that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So that when God speaks, the Bible says it is done. So when God says I have given something, then he has given that thing. The truth is legally the land now can, can be said to belong to the children of Israel. Just like legally the benefits of the, of, of the cross, the nine exchanges are yours. But experientially, in your life, everyday life, the land doesn't yet belong to you. So the children of Israel can have two responses. One is they can be discouraged and say, God said he has given us the land, yet the land is not ours. You know, there are people in church who say, well, if God says he has paid the price for my poverty, why am I still patching life? Something is wrong somewhere. Another way of looking at what God has said in Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, is that the children of Israel can fold their hands, and they are Christians like that, and say, well, God says it's ours, then it's ours. But in the real truth, the people who are on the land know that they are the owners of the land. So you can be believing that it is yours, and yet it is not yours. I had a discussion with somebody once who said, well, doesn't believe in all these things about deliverance because once you are born again everything is settled true but if you stay there then you will just suffer for no reason because everything is settled but what is the experience that you are going through legally all the nine exchanges are yours but experientially you haven't entered into them and you'll find that the children of Israel had to cross the Jordan and had to enter into warfare to take that which God has given to them. Now, if you look at Obadiah, in verse 17, the Bible says, On Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possession. That verse of scripture simply says that it is possible, when it says you will possess your possession, it means that there are things that belong to people that they have not yet taken hold of. All the nine exchanges at the cross belong to you. But have you laid hold on them? Because if Jesus has paid the price for your health, 
then why are we still sick? Do you understand me? Please follow me carefully. Now, in Obadiah 17, it tells us that there are three steps into possessing your possession. One, it says there shall be what? Deliverance. Two, there shall be holiness. Three, you enter into possessing your possessions. So, for you to enter and claim your inheritance, there must be one deliverance. There must be holiness second. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14, the Bible says, By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. To be sanctified means to be made holy. So, as we progress, and I want to please understand this because of what we are going to do on Sunday. As we progress in holiness, so do we move towards entering into our possessions. You know, unless you really begin to walk that pathway, you are not going to touch all those nine exchanges and the five deliverances that God has provided. And the important thing, there's one key thing that we all need to understand in this work. You must put these things into practice if you are going to see things change. And I know what I'm talking about. That thing is called faith. Everybody say faith. In order that we might possess our possessions, we must make sure that we do so with faith. We must embrace faith. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is no, there's no way you and I can please God unless we walk in faith. No faith, no pleasure as far as God is concerned. Now, Hebrews 11.6 tells us that there are two key things that God demands from you and I. One, it says that if you come to God, you must believe that he is, that God exists. Two, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you and I have the right to diligently seek God and to turn around and tell him quickly, you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Please reward me. And you will be surprised that he will. Faith is so essential. But diligence in seeking God is also very important. Now, how do we get faith? Everybody say faith. The faith that God demands. Where and how do we get it? Romans 7, 10, 17 states clearly that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody seems to know that scripture. But let me explain what it means today. That scripture says that what comes from the word of God is hearing. And what comes from hearing is faith. What comes from the word of God is what? Is hearing. And what comes from hearing is what? Is faith. Now, let's just look at this and understand this clearly today. Now, the thing that you and I must do first and foremost is we must embrace the word of God. 
when you embrace the word of God, what you will get is what? It's not faith. It's hearing. And it is that hearing that brings about faith. There's a difference between hearing the word of God and reading the word of God. Everybody say there's a difference between hearing the word of God and reading the word of God. What many of us have been doing is reading the word of God. Reading the word of God. But the Bible wants us to hear the word of God. Okay? Now, the problem really is how do you hear the word of God? The important thing about hearing the word of God is one, you must spend some time to read the word and to spend some time to meditate on the word you have read until God speaks to you. To hear God takes time. Everybody say to hear God takes time. What many Christians do in life is they read the word, if you do at all, that's the best they do. They want somebody else to hear from, for them. So people are always going around looking for what I call woolies. But note, it's hearing first, then faith. That word that says word of God, in the original Greek, in Romans 10, 17, is actually translated rema. Everybody say rema. Rema is different from Logos. Logos is the word of God that is established and forever settled in heaven. But Rema is the revealed word of God. Everybody say, Rema is the revealed word of God. It, it Jesus said in Matthew 4, For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, Rema, that proceeds from the mouth of God. The revealed word of God is what the word of God says to you. In other words, if you spend time and you read a chapter of the Bible, you ought not to leave that chapter and just shut it and go away. Stay and think about that chapter until something comes to you from that chapter. It will take some time, but that's the only way to hear the word of God. Because when you do get that thing and then you act on it, you find that it works. And what you then have is what is called faith. You begin from that point on to begin to believe the word of God. That it is God himself that is speaking. It's not enough to just read. And many times we are in a hurry to just read and then get up and go. That's for the good Christian who spends time reading the word. And now there are two things that you and I must do when we are reading the word of God. If you are going to hear from, from God, one, you must approach the word of God as the word of God. You must approach the word of God as the word of God. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. We shall read that together. Are we all there? Let's read together. One, two, go. For this cause also thank we God 
without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Here Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, he says, when you heard the word of God, you received it as what? As the word of God. You did not receive it as the word of men. Let me give you a classic example about how people toy with the word of God. For example, we have explained a thousand times that it is good to pay your tithe. That the tithe belongs to God, doesn't belong to you and I. Now, everyone who is here today who does not pay tithe, it means you just heard that word and you put it aside. It doesn't matter because if it was really the word of God, you will not joke with it. You know, if you hear that God says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And you don't care, you go out and you treat his name anyhow. You bring his name to disrepute. You have not received it as the word of God. You have just received it as the word of the pastor that was speaking to you. But if you receive the word of God, ask the word of God, then something definite will happen. Something definite will happen. We must receive scripture, not as the word of men, but how? As the word of God. It is God himself speaking to you, not Pastor speaking to you. It is God. That's why I say, always say, let us read together. I always like us reading together because each time the word of God is read, for example, the Bible tells us that there's a cleansing act that goes on. Because when you go out in the day, there's a lot of things you come across in that day that defile you. So if you take the word of God and you just read, there's a cleansing. Jesus Christ says in John 15:3, Now ye are clean by the words which I have spoken unto you. That's why I like reading out the word of God aloud. Because as I do so, something is cleansing my spirit man. Do you understand me? Why? Because that's what the word of God says. We must from this day begin to take the word of God as the word of God. Then it will begin to work. You see, the Bible will always be a closed book unless you treat it as the word of God. When you spend time to read, stop and think about what you have read for a while. And suddenly you will get something from God. And once you put that into practice, you will see that it works. Turn to James chapter 1. Let's read verse 21 together. How many people do not have their Bibles here? Let me see your hands. Those who don't have their Bible, don't lie. Remember Ananias and Sapphira. It's not funny. You see, if the, if the Word of God is important to you, you will always have your Bible with you. Always. James chapter 1, verse 21. Let's read together. One, two, go. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. We've got to receive the word of God, not just as the word of God, but also with meekness. To receive it with meekness means you come to the place where you acknowledge that God is the one that is teaching you, 
and that you are just a student. There's so much in the Word of God. Right now, for example, I'm reading the book of Leviticus. Difficult as it may be. But as you read it, you somehow, and you spend time thinking about it, things will come alive in that book. There's no book in the Bible that doesn't have something for you and I. To receive the word of God with meekness means to receive it with humility. Remember that we say that faith comes how? By hearing the word. Not just by hearing me speak now. But when you read Psalm 121, what do you hear in Psalm 121? That's what faith is about. It is what I have heard there that relates to my situation that I can act on that, gives, that brings out a confirmation of faith. Do you understand? So we must receive the word of God with meekness. Meekness means there with humility. You cannot treat the word of God anyhow. And faith means taking God seriously. Faith means taking God seriously. It is doing everything that God says in his word. Very important. That we do all that God says in his word. Very, very important. Very important. Um, let me give you an example. Recently, it occurred to me that pregnant women should spend about an hour sitting down and just praying in tongues. If they did that, in no time, the children they are carrying will be filled with the Holy Ghost. So I told them, but I'm sure many of them don't do it. Because they'll just think about it and it's a bit tedious, and so they won't do it. But see, if the child that you're carrying is filled with the Holy Ghost, nothing else can fill that child. If you hear the Word of God, and you do nothing about it, then you are taking God for granted. You are not taking Him seriously. And the pathway to possessing our possessions is taking the Word of God what? Seriously. It is walking in faith. And faith is hearing His Word. To hear His Word is to read Psalm 23 and suddenly see something that relates to your life in that Psalm 23. That will never happen if you don't spend time thinking about it, meditating upon it, turning it up and down. So I want us all, because those nine exchanges, we all must see the full benefits of them. Do you understand me? Let us bow our heads today and just ask the Lord for grace to hear his word. Grace to hear his word. Confirm the word we have heard today, Lord, in every life that is here. Mento zokuta zakiteleka zakata. Mento zokuta zekete barika zakata nadi. Jesus, mighty name we pray.
let us prepare our offerings before the Lord today. Let us all...
Oh.
Father in heaven, we declare that there is none like unto thee. Only you, Lord, are God in heaven and on earth. There is none like you, Almighty God. Even so, today, Lord, we ask that you bless us as only you can. There is none holy laid your hands upon your head, your head will prosper. Your life will prosper. 
everyone in your family will prosper. All that you touch will prosper. This Christmas will be a wonderful Christmas. For you will prosper even during this Christmas. Your family will prosper. Your business will prosper. All that you are believing God for, He will do this Christmas. So it is and shall be. In Jesus' mighty name. City of David, praise the Lord. Nigeria, praise the Lord. Oh,